The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, come with me. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. This is The Look Ahead. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me, as always, from Blogging the Boys, RJ Ochoa. What's up, RJ? How's it going, Stats? I'm feeling great. You're feeling great. You're looking great. Nobody can see you except for me, which is a real shame. Stats is a 10 out of 10. He's normally like a 9 out of 10. You know, that Stats rolls out of bed 9 out of 10. But right now, that extra point has come all the way through. Well done, my friend. I am quaffed. I got a haircut for the first time in three months, so I am feeling good. You are drinking what you referred to as a milkshake before the yes. show so i asked you what kind and you said strawberry banana and i i wager that most people would agree with me once you put banana in that cup it ceases to be a milkshake and it becomes a smoothie things evolve over time stats um you strike me as somebody who thinks like in and out is really cool because of the simplicity of the menu it sucks it's lame it's not better than whataburger uh whataburger incidentally only offers shakes in chocolate vanilla and strawberry uh but we as a society have grown we've evolved and so why should i hinder myself uh hinder by the way a great band once upon a time um and not enjoy the you know evolution of the milkshake game i refuse to deny myself because you've ruined the milkshake. The adding of the banana makes it worse. That's why you don't do that. I actually, um, I think it's weird when people eat milkshakes, like eat them with a spoon. I, I want to drink my milkshake. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, it's the milk. Look, it's real clear. Milkshakes come <laughs> in three flavors, vanilla, <laughs> chocolate, and strawberry. And the rule is you're, you have to struggle to drink the milkshake. It should be so thick that it's almost an effort to get it up the straw. Mm. But if it's too thick that you can't drink it with a straw, you have to wait until it melts a little, and then that's when you consume it. You can't Once you take out a utensil, it's not a drink anymore. It becomes a meal. I agree. Uh, where do you fall on malts, then? Are you, are you like anti-malt in general? Or is, like, is malt a particular thing? Like What's the deal there? Yeah, malt is a different thing. Plus, I respect the longevity of the malt. It's been around mm. for a long time. That counts for something in my book. I will say the only time you can have a malt, or rather the only way, is either at a sock hop or um, <laughs> out of, out of like, um, you know, those like crystal, like cup. They're not cups, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like a cone-shaped glass. Like and a Sunday cup. Exactly. But it's it's more more vertical than that. Um, it's longer. It's not like super wide. It's it's you know, it's the length of a drink. Um, that's the only way you can eat a malt. But I think you eat a malt, you drink a shake. Maybe that's where we ultimately land here. Yeah, I, I could get on board with that. OK, so a couple things we're going to do here as I lay out the menu for you. We are going to talk a little Jared Goff and the Rams, because much like RJ's strawberry banana smoothie, the Rams no longer seem to want Jared Goff. <laughs> Are you saying my smoothie, my smoothie doesn't want Jared? Is that the point? That was funnier in my head. Not going to lie. I probably okay. will edit that out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> leave it in. It's le- Stats is leaving it in, everybody. Okay. So, we're talking Jared Goff, everybody. 
We'll talk about that situation. It's fascinating because the Rams are going to have to act against their self-interest in a way because his contract is absolutely unbelievable. So they're going to have to do some real gymnastics to get out of that. So we'll talk about that situation. And that's going to lead us into a larger discussion about the quarterback and when to pay a guy because that's sort of how the Rams got in trouble in this whole situation in the first place. They paid Jared Goff as soon as he was eligible to get a new contract, and now they're just in an awful, awful spot. So we're going to do that. Then we're going to take a break, and we want to look. This is going to be kind of the bizarro episode, RJ. This was your idea. I want to give you full credit and also full blame if people don't like it. We are going to take a look back at the seasons of the Bucks and the Chiefs because we don't have a game to preview this week. And let's be honest, after 17 weeks, you kind of forget some stuff. Yeah, it's been a long year. Um, actually, this leads me to a very quick tangent um it's a new year technically i hate when people refer to for example the last game that the buccaneers won as in this instance the 2021 nfc championship game that bothers me to no end. it's the nfc championship game that belongs to the 2020 season whoever wins the super bowl we will refer to as the champions of 2020 the 2021 champions will be whoever wins the season that begins next fall i digress it is one of the most frustrating season, uh, most frustrating things, because when someone says, hey, remember this team played in the championship game in 2020? And you're like, oh, crap. What are they yeah. talking about? You never know which side of the aisle they fall on. We need to standardize that so that we know. In my head, the 49ers played in the 2012 Super Bowl. Correct. And they played in the 2019 Super Bowl. That's how I will always remember it. But. You always come across people that have different thoughts, and it's just like, oh, it's like you're speaking two different languages. Yeah, those people are weird. We shouldn't pay them any mind. And it's unfortunate. I feel like the NBA muddies the waters because the NBA, like the 2020 Lakers, won the NBA title. Even though that season, um, COVID aside, began in 2019, technically, you know, it's in the NBA, it's the secondary year. The only sport that thankfully kind of normally keeps things, you know, straight in this sense is baseball because, you, you know, the whole season takes place in one calendar year. But um, in other words, you know, we're right and everybody else is wrong. It's the one thing that baseball does right. All right, let's get into this Jared Goff stuff, RJ. And this is like, we have reached a point already in the offseason with all this quarterback news that is swirling around. It's like we've ordered a package from the internet and you're desperate to find out where it is. And you've got the tracking number. And you know, as soon as you get that tracking number, what's the first thing you do? You click it. Oh, okay. Where it is? Oh, the tracking information has been received. Oh, awesome. Okay. A couple hours later, let's see. Click. Oh, look, it's gone to the shipping center now. Like you're always checking to see where it is and what the status of it is. And that's how it is with this quarterback situation. We got Matt Stafford who's going to be leaving the Lions. Deshaun Watson's potentially up for grabs. Aaron Rodgers is, is throwing out all sorts of fire in press conferences and then trying to walk it back with Pat McAfee, which was weak sauce. And now... Jared Goff has seemingly entered the chat because the reports are that there's going to be an open quarterback competition if the Rams cannot trade Jared Goff. So earlier this week, I was listening to my favorite podcast, The Oddcast, with two great guys, um, Rob Stats Guerrero and Brandon Lee Gowden. And they referenced the I feel like the the photo that Adam Schefter tweeted out is going to be like like a reference point. It's like the syllabus to start this you know semester, so to speak. Um, and I can't believe that he took. He, he, he said, what, the over-under, however he termed it, was 18 for starting quarterback yeah. movements. And he said he would take the over. It really is wild. Where I feel like Jared Goff is different is of, of the ones you named, or the ones we kind of know about publicly at least, Deshaun Watson hates his team. Okay, uh, Matthew Stafford and his team maybe not hate each other, but kind of realize the separation is what is best and makes sense for both parties. Aaron Rodgers, totally different thing. Totally agree with you. I said it on the Daily uh, that he did walk back his comments on the Pat McAfee show. He's he's just, he. I mentioned Hinder earlier. He's emo. He's hoobastank, right? Like that's who Aaron <laughs> Rodgers really is. Uh, Jared Goff is the one dude who is in this camp where it's just his team trashing him. Like no no other quarterback is in that boat. I thought the less need comments were fascinating on the heels of Sean McVay. So like if you're Jared Goff, you're looking around, it's like, well, Sean McVay won't commit to me. Les Snead won't commit to me. Um, what's the deal here? And I feel like Sean McVay is an amazing head coach. I do think that Les Snead is kind of wildly overrated as a general manager. Not that anyone like hypes him up necessarily, but 
the dude committed to both Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and kind of kickstarted those, you know, dominoes that fell across the NFL, especially with Gurley and running backs getting paid. And there's like no blame that's ever put on them for that. Uh, but the Gurley thing is kind of dead and gone at this point in terms of his time with the Rams. The Jared Goff thing, it made no sense to commit to him. And everybody wants to say, yeah, he took them to a Super Bowl. That's cool. Aaron Donald would like to disagree with you. He went along for the ride to the Super Bowl, much like Jimmy Garoppolo did with the 49ers. Here is the thing with the Jared Goff contract, and this is unbelievable to me. If the Rams were to trade him, it's about a $22 million cap hit, which is manageable. The problem is nobody is going to want to acquire Jared Goff because if you do, you take on that contract, which includes $43 million in Fully guaranteed payments for 2021 and 2022. That is incredible considering how many years Goff has already played on that contract. His agent, Jeff Tolner, took the Rams to school for that deal. At one point in time, right, it was everybody's going to the Rams. They're Los Angeles. They're going to be around forever, which I'm sure was we, we were not friends at that time. Stats a, a darker part of both of our lives. Um, but I'm sure that was that was quite the time in the stats household when all these Rams takes were circling the NFL. Um, and I, I you hear the term window so often. I do think the Rams kind of had that like. Jared Goff has been a functional quarterback at one point or another and ag- agree entirely, obviously, like the the fact of it all in terms of what's going to be difficult to absorb his contract for any new team. But beyond that, I also think he's also battling something that nobody else is in that his team is trashing him. And I think that matters because Sean McVay is obviously renowned across the NFL. And so like you're arbitrary coach X, right? And you are in need of a quarterback. Maybe you can talk your general manager into who, who do, who cares about this 43 million we'll be fine but then you get to the point of the like the thought process where you're like well wait a minute the most creative offensive mind of the game wants nothing to do with Jared Goff it is kind of making him very 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 toxic um, and I find that fascinating because the Rams aren't dumb uh, to quote you know Mark Murphy the Packers CEO and so they know that these comments are obviously breaking up with Jared Goff in a public sense and they you know all the time, you know, it's like you talk about this all the time with Jimmy Garoppolo. What's Kyle Shanahan do? Oh, he's great. He's awesome. He's going to be awesome in our system. Like he's selling, you know, that whole charade. Meanwhile, the the Rams just don't care. Like it's like they're yeah. openly tanking Goff's whatever trade value he might have, which is very minimal. Because I think they know that no one's going to want that guy given the contract. And I do give them a little bit of credit because unlike a ton of teams who say we drafted this guy. We paid him all this money. He's playing. The fact that they are willing to say, hey, it's an open competition with he and John Wolford next year, give them credit that they were like, hey, if we've got to pay this guy anyway, okay, but that doesn't mean we have to play him. And if he's not the better guy, they're not going to play him. And I actually give them credit for that because I don't think a lot of teams would be willing to do it. There are two fascinating points to Jared Goff's contract that just are bewildering to consider in our present moment. The first is when when we look back, right, like Matt Ryan was the first quarterback to hit the $30 million a year mark, and like he always kind of has that hovering around him. Jared Goff will forever be the first quarterback to get over $100 million guaranteed. The first, like he was the first to do this. Um, and what's more is like we're sitting here today talking about this this extension and this contract about how difficult it is to kind of get over. It is technically just now beginning. Like Jared Goff just finished his fifth season in the NFL, which was obviously the fifth year option on his rookie contract. That's why it was a contract extension. Like the actual like linear part of his extension literally has not begun. And and that's I, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I totally understand, you know, why the Rams are, are being this way. And I agree with you. I kind of respect that they're upfront about it. And they're like, I think that they kind of have realized that it's it's not financially smart to cut him or anything. So might as well just keep him around. And I do think I do buy at least that they're willing to bench him, which is is really unconventional as far as most NFL teams. So in that respect, they're kind of forward thinking. So I don't know the Rams and even like the Todd Gurley thing, like. They do seem to be this this group generally that is willing to take these big risks, but is also the first to kind of cut their losses and just accept it and move on, which is a weird thing to respect, I guess. How about you just structure the contracts in a way that gives you some flexibility so you you don't have to make both of those decisions? Like, why tie that together? Just give yourself an out. Look, the 49ers, to their credit, 
they do not do contracts like that. Like, yeah, maybe you think the Jimmy Garoppolo contract was dumb, but they can get out of it now and pay less than $3 million in a dead cap hit. So at least you got to give them credit for the rat. For, at least you got to give them credit for that. The Rams can't do that. Who is, though, like of all conceivable options that are not Jared Goff? Because like right now, it, it really is like, oh, we just want anybody that isn't Jared Goff. We want John Wolford. <laughs> like, I mean, um, who is the conceivable starter? Like, actually, we're going to hold you to this right now, Stats. Who is the starting quarterback for the Rams come week one? Because it's not going to be Jared Goff, right? Like, we at least agree there. Yeah, I think it could be Wolford because who else can they get that's going to be cheap? Because they still have to pay Goff. So, I mean, theoretically, they could draft somebody, I guess. But it's... It's going to be dicey for them. They may have to just suck it up this year and say, hey, this is the situation we're in. We'll try and do the best we can. You know what? And if we crater out, then we'll be in a better position to get a quarterback in 2022. This also, in a very weird way, not necessarily the same things, uh, but makes me, I didn't poo-poo it at the time, but some people did. When the Cardinals gave up on Josh Rosen after one year, right, to draft Kyler Murray, there were all these people like, how can you give up on him? He was a first-round pick a year ago. Like, you're going to give up on one year and cut him, blah, blah. I do think, and I know BLG mentioned this on the podcast, like, we are now in an NFL where it's like, if you don't have the guy, you're screwed. And so, like, I – and, again, I've, I've got so many directions in the last, like, 10 minutes, which is quite the emotional ride um, – I do kind of respect that the Rams are saying this isn't it. Like we can like, yeah, we can be kind of good with Jared Goff. And like by most accounts, people would take the season that the Rams had, right? Like you get into the playoffs, you beat your, you know, division rival who won the division on the road. You, you know, you lose to a perennially great quarterback in his house. Like, you know, there's no shame in that. I respect that the Rams are like, nah, that's not good enough. That's clearly not going to be good enough. I wish Sean McDermott had had this mentality a week ago in the AFC championship game. Goodness, I'm still pissed. Uh, me too. Um, I think, honestly, the standard is, do we have a guy that can beat Patrick Mahomes? I think that has become the standard now. Jared uh, Goff yeah. did! The, the game of the century on Monday Night Football. I mean, duh. You know, obviously, I make him the best quarterback ever. Duh. <laughs> I mean, okay. You know, <laughs> as Kyle Posey said last week on the Niners Nation podcast, even the garbage can gets a stake once in a while. Yeah, that's I've never heard that that spin on um, the blind squirrel, but that makes sense. I mean, you know, but Jared Goff is okay. Like if we rank them right now, he's the what best quarterback in the NFL. He's the like the 16th best quarterback that that fair like he's middle of the road. Yeah, at at best. I wouldn't put him any higher than 16. You know what he reminds me of? I um, I've long said because Jared Goff was a, a legitimate success early on um you know the song always be my baby by mariah carey yeah who doesn't well i mean some people don't know that song but so okay the the chorus goes you'll always be a part of me i'm part of you indefinitely boy don't you know you can't escape me Ooh, darling because you'll always be my baby right and then there's the and we'll linger on what comes next what's the next line i'm asking you i can hear it in my head Something the feeling will be strong. I'm telling nobody knows. I I guarantee ask ask anybody you know, loyal listener, ask anybody you know, nobody knows the next line of the song because it, it fizzles out so quickly. Like it's a banger that fizzles out. That's Jared Goff, right? <laughs> like super early on was really cool and fun and like top hit. Um not, maybe not individually, but just kind of what he was a part of and, and the ride he was on. But that's it. I mean, you know, that's all she wrote for him. But I, I find it interestingly refreshing that teams are like I think you could make an argument that if the Detroit Lions had evaluated Matthew Stafford the same way that the Rams are Jared Goff right now that maybe their team would be different I mean and you could argue a lot of things about the way the Lions should have evaluated their team in the past and I think Matthew Stafford is legitimate but he was never like and there is all this, and I don't want to just repeat the things that I heard on my favorite show, The Oddcast. I agree that Matthew Stafford is is nice, but, like, there is this, like, incredible love for him all of a sudden. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, no. In what universe? You know, he's he's just evolved Jared Goff. Jared Goff is uh, Bulbasaur. Jared Goff is uh, Ivysaur. And Eli Manning is Venusaur. That's what it is. I just word less than 20 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> We have gone smoothie milkshake, Mariah Carey, always be my baby, and now we are into Pokemon. 
If we okay. get into Avatar before the end of this show, it's going to be like a, the trifecta or the quadfecta. I don't know what you call the four. Um, I don't know what you call it either, but um, Avatar's okay. It's I think it was a little overrated, um, honestly. I don't even know who you are anymore. I think that I once heard Ike Taylor call Julio Jones Avatar, like just in terms of his like amazing abilities. I feel like that's a – if that is not the case – that's a great nickname for somebody with like incredible athleticism. Well played. And you steered us back onto the highway. So thank you for getting us back onto the NFL highway. Um, one last thing, because you mentioned Stafford and like I am knee deep in Matthew Stafford news and lore because I am praying that he winds up on my 49ers. I think you are selling him way short. I think if you put Stafford on the 49ers next year, he has the season that Aaron Rodgers just had. Because it's the same system. The 49ers have way better weapons than the Packers do. And I think Matt Stafford is a friggin' he's got a rocket for an arm. I think he could easily put up 40 to 50 touchdowns next year in the 49ers system. And you're making a face at me. You can't see it. The look of disgust and disbelief on RJ's face is staggering right now. So, again... Matt Stafford is a fine quarterback. I don't know if you know this stats. Uh, played Little League Baseball with Clayton Kershaw, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, fine quarterback. I, I do also – this is a topic for a different day, and I don't want to get into this section of the weeds because, like, there will be milkshakes and avatars flying everywhere. I think you're overhyping the 49ers offensive weapons a little bit. Uh, <laughs> see, now the look I'm getting is terrible. No. Um, <laughs> Let's go like, compare it to the Packers. <laughs> Obviously, Devontae Adams is the best of anybody. He's incredible. And the 49ers don't have a receiver that's as good. I, no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with the notion that, that San Francisco, like, on average is better. Because I think there's, like, again, if you're averaging, I, could, I suppose you could argue that there is a bit of a wash effect with Devontae and George Kittle, right? Like, in terms of just, like, aerial weapons. So, like, if of the non-Devontae Kittle options, yeah, like, San Francisco is better. But... I heard you on the podcast really over-glorifying what the 49ers have to offer offensively. I don't even know that I think they're the best set of offensive weapons in the division. Who is? I would argue Seattle is to a degree. Like, I, I, I would argue that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like, in, like, as a pair, really, really, really kind of present themselves as the top option. Of course, you know, the Seahawks don't seem to know that, which is why they don't let Russell Wilson throw the ball. But, I mean, yeah, uh, it is what it is. Right, well, we don't need to dive into how good the 49ers are. I think with a better quarterback, you're going to be like, holy crap, these guys are really good. But I think that Stafford could absolutely do it. And I think if, if that happens, I think the 49ers, you're going to be blown away by what you see. But you're a Stafford hater. That's fine. Join the chorus. So there's plenty of them out there. Speaking of haters, RJ, I have noticed that nothing, nothing lowers a quarterback stock in his own team's eyes, no matter who he is, than a quarterback that will not agree to whatever contract the team puts in front of him. Because I saw you arguing with Cowboys fans on Twitter who apparently Cowboys fans think Dak Prescott is like the worst quarterback in the league now because he doesn't want to take whatever crap offer Jerry Jones puts in front of him. Yeah, stats. These are um, these are turbulent waters right now um, with the Dallas Cowboys, especially on Cowboys Twitter. Um, the look ahead obviously drops on Thursday. So this morning at Blogging the Boys, I had a big article. I spent some time, cracked the knuckles, and kind of churned out some some hashtag content. Um, and, and I mean, I titled it, you know, the the Dak Prescott situation continues to be one for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the great Bob Sturm, who I know you spoke with uh, on on Niners Nation's podcast um, a few months ago wrote about this in The Athletic this week as well, and he talked about how this is all the Cowboys' fault. And and it really is. I mean, you look at it, and everybody wants to say, and I know you've heard this, like, oh, it takes two to tango. Yeah, it does. And and people love to say, like, he got offered five years, $110 million. Yeah, he did, and that's an exorbitant amount of money. Um, but that's not market rate. That, that That's the matter of, of reality here. And and you can think that's greedy or whatever, but it is, it is completely fair – in, in the world that these conversations and financial sort of wherewithals are happening against one another, I, I think stats, and I'm curious if you agree you're an objective party here, 
you know, the Cowboys could first offer Dak Prescott a contract extension in 2019. Uh, the first of the of the three in 2016 to be drafted, uh, you know, that got an extension was Carson Wentz. That deal obviously looks terrible in hindsight, although, and I've written about this myself, I still applaud the Eagles because I think it logically was the right decision to extend him as soon as possible, um, a, a path that I wish the Cowboys had followed as well. Jared Goff got his deal shortly after that. Russell Wilson got his big extension following that. Last year, we saw other extensions follow. We saw new extensions for Patrick Mahomes, who is an outlier, certainly among the rest of the field. Deshaun Watson got his deal. The The particular hangup here has always centered around for anybody that's unaware of a matter of length. It doesn't, hasn't really ever been a matter of money. Um, but a year ago, the Cowboys wanted to offer Dak Prescott a five-year contract extension. They have handed out long extensions before with their stars, their offensive linemen. Tyron Smith took like a 500-year deal. Um, obviously, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, Jalen Smith, and and Des Bryant at the time. Um, and so typically, you get a long, long stay with the Cowboys to help them kick the proverbial can down the road. But Dak Prescott wanted a four-year extension. And that is what Joe Ed- Goff got. That is what Carson Wentz got. That is part of the market rate. Um, now, the reality is they may have all been of the same draft year, but Goff and Wentz had 50-year options, as we discussed a little while ago at Goff. And so because of that, that put their point of expiration in terms of their contracts after the 2024 season. And the Cowboys wanted to put Dak on that same you know sort of time frame so that he wouldn't get another crack at the apple before they would. And so in essence, they were penalizing him for not being a first round draft pick. And, um, you know, whose fault is that? I mean, not Dak's, not the Cowboys. I mean, that was just the evaluation process at the time. But since then, I mean, everything has really gone Dak's way um, in that you know, in 2019 to start the season, he was phenomenal. And then obviously the Cowboys kind of fell apart, but uh, he played really well, had his best statistical year last year. They refused to pay him then. And then this year was kind of the face of the team, which he has been. And we have seen how important leadership is to the Cowboys, certainly. Um, And beyond that, when he was hurt, we saw not just how terrible they were, but how not much of a team they were. He is clearly the glue that holds that entire unit together. What's more stats is in this time, and I know I'm going on and on, uh, the Cowboys have paid two non-important positions in an off-the-ball linebacker in Jalen Smith, a contract that has blown up in their face, and a running back in Ezekiel Elliott, a contract that has blown up in their face. And beyond that, we now exist in a world that nobody could have foreseen, uh, where COVID has lowered the salary cap in all likelihood. And so that makes matters all the more difficult, besides the fact that Dak Prescott is very clearly, which I'm sure you agree, the best quarterback of his draft class. So the market rate, if you're the Cowboys, that you refused to match early on now looks all the more silly for you because Dak Prescott is so much more above his peers. And so, you know, the annual average value the Cowboys could have gotten for Dak if they'd paid him in 2019, Jared Goff ended up getting $33.5 million a year. Carson Wentz got $32 million a year. That would have been kind of the neck of the woods Dak would have been in. I think now, again, Mahomes aside, you look at what Deshaun Watson got. He got 39 a year. I think the floor is $40 million a year in a salary cap that is going to be impacted by the pandemic. And so this is really embarrassing. And now, I mean, you have all this talk about Matthew Stafford, uh, uh, not even a year after people say, well, I think Andy Dalton could have success in this offense. It's just the Cowboys are broken and it's really frustrating. That's my rant. <laughs> is there a question in there or <laughs> I, I don't thought- know. Is there anything you disagree with? No. Um, I don't disagree with it. The thinking with teams is we lock these guys up as soon as they become available because they those contracts, even though you pay market rate at the time, the market rate is always going up. So those contracts then become affordable deals. Mm-hmm. If you wait to do that, yeah, you don't have to pay the guy big money right away, but you run the risk of kind of doing what Dak did and exactly what Kirk Cousins did playing really well, you play through your tag options, then you have to give the guy the market rate because you can't franchise him anymore. And then they're going to get a ton of money because franchise-type quarterbacks never hit the open market. Kirk Cousins is the only guy that sort of falls into that category. And, oh, by the way, he got $84 million completely and fully guaranteed at signing. So that's why they try to lock these guys up early to avoid that scenario that didn't happen with the Cowboys. And thus, this is the world that we're in regarding the fourth year, fifth year discussion. I think I heard Bart Scott say this. It's not about what you get paid. It's about how many times you get paid. And that is why Dak wants the four versus the five year deal, because he wants another crack at the apple. Like you said, it's why Revis was so good. 
at negotiating his deals and played so well because he was constantly getting new contracts because he realized that's what it's about. That's how you maximize your value. So I totally get Dak not wanting to do it. I think Dak should tell the Cowboys to go fly a kite. He shouldn't sign anything they put in front of him. Play through your franchise years, and then you hit the open market, and there's nothing stopping you from re-signing with the Cowboys if that's what you want to do at that point. I remember when Matthew Stafford, who we've talked about today, uh, signed his most recent extension. I say most recent. It was like three years ago now, four years ago, I think, um, whatever it was. And people said at the time, well, you know, he'll be in his early 30s when this expires. Like he can get another crack at the apple. And Matthew Stafford, fortunate to get his rookie contract prior to the 2011 CBA that really restricted rookie contracts. And so, I mean, yeah. And you look at the age quarterbacks are playing to now, like obviously, you know, make the most how you can, whatever. Um Part of what I wrote about stats, and I know you guys covered this at Niners Nation, ESPN laid out hypothetical trade offers for Deshaun Watson. In fact, they laid out 17 different offers and they ranked them um, from teams. The, the 17th team was the least likely to trade or, or rather least practical to pull off. Uh, and obviously, number one was the most practical. The Cowboys were ranked 13th. Teams that were def- defined as less practical than them to trade for Deshaun Watson were the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think if you think that those teams are less likely to trade for Deshaun Watson than the Cowboys, I mean, uh, maybe you're flying a kite, but this was their proposed offer. Um, the Texans would be sending a fourth round pick in 2023 and Deshaun Watson. The Dallas Cowboys stats would be sending their first round pick this year, which is the 10th overall pick, and a first round pick in 2023, where they would technically get a fourth round pick back, I suppose, and Dak Prescott. I don't know where you fall on the Dak versus Deshaun debate. I think that there is a debate at least to be had. But even if you believe that Deshaun is superior, maybe Deshaun is the future quarterback of the 49ers like many people in the world right now. Um, But the difference between them is not so massive that you would be willing to give up two first round picks like ESPN has suggested. Oh, I totally disagree. If I were the Texans, I would never do. I would be like fax over the rest of your offer. Apparently, they're negotiating in 1999 and using fax machines. <laughs> so you think that's I, not enough for the Cowboys not, not to enough. acquire? So you're saying two first and Dak are not enough to acquire Deshaun? No, I don't think so. you got to put a cherry on top. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I So blogging the boys listeners are listening to this. Stats is on Twitter at Stats on Fire. So just so that you know where to find him, um, because, I again, like, they are somewhat negligible to me. Like, they're, you know, they're both top five quarterbacks, you know, however you want to rank no, them. I mean, you know, who are the top five quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment? Not Dak Prescott. Are you out of your mind? Stats, I don't know if this is a bid or you're getting back at me for the milkshake thing, but, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like – I, the, the, here, are, here are the quarterbacks that are undeniably ahead of Dak Prescott today, in my mind. Patrick Mahomes, yep. Russell Wilson, Aaron yep. Rodgers. Undeniably. I would take those three easily. You could talk me into Deshaun Watson. And, and I, I think, that, again, that would be the most spirited debate that I think could be had. I would take Dak, and I know people will, like, roll their eyes. I would take Dak. Well, actually, I would take Josh Allen. Sorry, that's one more. I, would, I, I, think, I don't think that Dak has had a season as impressive as what Josh Allen has had. And then you get into the weeds of like, well, I'd rather have Josh Allen's contract situation. Like that's, we're just talking talent for talent. I would not take Lamar Jackson. Um, that might be one that you disagree with. Um, a year ago, people would have said, or two years ago, I would not take Baker Mayfield. I would not take Tom Brady in his current form, as magnificent as he is. But, I mean, that's, that's it. Like, I, there's four or five guys at the very least. So, fine. He's a top six quarterback is his floor. I think, the, well, I mean, now we're going to dive into a whole other area. <laughs> but, like, I don't think Dak is that much better than Kirk Cousins. I really don't. People hate on Kirk Cousins. Look at the numbers he's put up. I, I agree that Kirk is underrated. Like, so, I mean, I think Kirk is like a top eight or nine quarterback to that point. I mean, so like if, if we're playing that game, the only people I'd put between Dak and Kirk then are Deshaun. If, if you have Deshaun below Dak, maybe Lamar at that point. Cause like Le, the Lamar X factor is so valuable. And I think it overcomes what, what Kirk is um, after that. It's I'd, I'd rather have Kirk over Baker Mayfield. I'd rather have Kirk over like current day Ben Roethlisberger. I'd rather have Kirk over um, and the people will like, you'll get the people like I'd take Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Justin Fields like, no way I would take Kirk Cousins. Like I would take Kirk Cousins over Kyler Murray. Although Kyler has that X factor potential. Um, I would take Kirk over Matthew Stafford. I, I mean, so like there's Kirk is, is 
perennially underrated. I completely agree with you. Look at the look at where we came. We went from Mariah Carey to Pokemon to Kirk Cousins love. All right. Well, let's put a bow on this conversation because we got a little breaking news as we are recording this podcast on Wednesday night. We have breaking news. The Houston Texans have a new head coach. We're going to pretend like this is live radio and you can't look it up or haven't already seen it. So after the break, we will tell you who that coach is and how we think it affects the Sean Watson situation moving forward. Welcome back to the Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. The Houston Texans have a new head coach. It is David Culley. And, of course, everybody knows who David Culley is, right? He's Baltimore Ravens assistant coach. He has He's 65 years old. He has spent the past three seasons with the Ravens, and he just completed his 27th season as an NFL coach. 27. So, ton of experience. Not necessarily in that trend of the new, young, hip offensive coordinators. And he's never been an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. Your thoughts? So, I think that we are very special here at the Espination NFL show and that we are fully authentic, right? Like, we'll tell you whatever we're thinking, whether that is about... Kirk Cousins or Pokemon or milkshakes or whatever stats. I have no idea who David Cully is. And I think I'm pretty well versed in the national football league. Um, and like, I'm literally looking at this dude's Wikipedia page stats is about, this is clearly a live radio. And I, I always think like when it, this is maybe a weird rule of thumb. Um, but when it comes to like an NFL person or like, if you're gauging like, you know, uh, legitimacy off of something like this, if your Wikipedia page isn't even like 200 words, like, that's a red flag. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if this dude's been coaching, like he has, he has had a career as a coach since 1978 when he started at Austin PA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so how can you have been an NFL or, or a coach in general for over 40 years and your Wikipedia page be smaller than the episode description that is going to accompany the look ahead? Like how, how's that possible? dysfunctional organizations do dysfunctional things. And look, I I can't I agree with you. I can't tell you that David Culley is a bad hire. I don't know anything about him. I really don't. I literally just read off the article on espn.com. Here's my thing. You have alienated your 25-year-old amazing, I think top 3 quarterback in the NFL. He doesn't want anything to do with your team. You didn't value his input. You, you didn't even really want to interview the one of the coaches he told you to go interview. You begrudgingly did that to try and smooth things over. So now you've made your choice. So you call Deshaun Watson on the phone, and hopefully he takes your call. And you say, Deshaun, we've hired a coach. And he's going to go, awesome. Who is it? And you're going to say, David Culley. And Deshaun Watson is going to say, who the f*** is David Culley? <laughs> Um, so reading a tweet from battle red blog, SB nation's home for Houston Texans content stats. Um, somebody responded to them and said, this is Jim Tom Sula. It does kind of have that vibe. Like, uh, like uh, tell me that's, tell me you disagree. Um, I also think, so again, he was, um, that his exact title, um, for the last two seasons has been the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So all three of these things, like assistant head coach, fine, like whatever those duties and responsibilities are, kind of, you know, ambiguous and vague, but wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. So these are the Baltimore Ravens of the last two years who have had kind of a non-existent passing game, right? Like, and who, what wide receiver, uh, you know, I talked about this. We did, we did a clubhouse after um, the division round of the playoffs when the Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens. And Kyle Posey and I were talking to some people there. It was really fun. Join us on the clubhouse app if you're part of it. And I asked, you know, one of our listeners that joined with us, who's the last, like, number one wide receiver the Ravens had? And the listener and I agreed it's a former 49er in Anquan Bolden, right? Like, that's, that's the last, like, top wide receiver, like, alpha the Ravens have had maybe Steve or Smith. Steve if, Smith. I don't, like, like, that was later career Steve Smith. And like, yeah, he had the blood and guts game, whatever against the Panthers. Like he was fine, but I'm talking like an X, you know, like I'm like an actual X type wide receiver body, you know, like red zone type dude, whatever. Anyway, that aside, there's no, there's been like no wide receiver growth from the Ravens over the last two years. And a lot of analysts have been, you know, 
not too pleased with their performance in the passing game most recently. And this is a Ravens team whose like success that they've had granted over the last two years came primarily through the run. It's, it's so like, you know, I don't know, like that. This would be like getting the running backs coach for the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like it's the polar opposite of what they do well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just looking at some of the Twitter reaction at Bye Bye Petten says, so the guy who coordinates the worst passing attack in the league got a job before the guy who coordinates the best passing attack in the league. Of course, that would be Eric Bieniemy. Now, maybe Bieniemy said he didn't want to do it. We don't know. You know, maybe he decided, forget it. I can wait another year. There'll be better jobs, especially if Deshaun wants out, which if I were Eric Bieniemy, by the way, that's exactly what I would have done. I would have find a way to contact Deshaun and say, is there any chance you're staying here? And if he says no, I tell the Texans, thanks, but no thanks. So we don't so, know that that happened. Is is it, again, if we're to assume that that didn't happen, that Eric Bieniemy didn't just say, you know, whatever, bye, I don't have any interest. Like, like, let's throw that, granted, it's a fair possibility, but let's throw that possibility out the window. Is the fact that the Texans did not hire Eric Bieniemy like a gigantic indictment because <laughs> I kind of and I know that like the report isn't that Deshaun Watson demanded Eric B but so my job is to make things about the Cowboys stats as you know um, <laughs> in 2016 the year that they went 13 and 3 Dak Prescott's rookie year do you know who the veteran backup on that team was that, that wasn't Tony Romo no it was Mark Sanchez and Dak att- attributed an enormous amount of his sort of growth as an NFL player to Mark. And in in the things Mark said, he talked about how early on in his career with the Jets, obviously he had that high level of success and he would tell Dak Prescott things like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, Like you don't realize the magnitude of what you're accomplishing. And so Mark was a great kind of, you know, whatever you want to call him, great friend, mentor to Dak in those days. And I wrote at the time, I said, look, if Dak wants Mark Sanchez around, then keep Mark Sanchez around. Like, who cares what it costs? Like, if he if he makes Dak better, then that's what you have to have around you because he's your franchise quarterback that you would go on to disrespect and not pay. But that's a whole different discussion. Uh, so, so, like, that's just like a, a friend that I that I was lobbying for. This is the head coach, and so if Deshaun Watson is like. I like Eric Bieniemy. You know, you know, it's like when you, you know, you go visit a family member. Stats like, what drinks do you like? You know, like, and you're like, oh, I like Mountain Dew. So they, you show up. There's like six cases of Mountain Dew. Go get the man some Mountain Dew. Like, that's what he wanted. I mean, I, I don't know if David Culley is a good head coach. You don't have to just hire the offensive guy to have a good head coach. It's entirely possible that after 27 years in the league. Cully is more of a CEO head coach. You know, it's like in that movie Jobs when when the Steve Jobs is arguing with his friend and his friend says, what do you do? You're not an engineer. You don't design anything. You don't come up with code. Like, what do you do? And Steve Jobs says, I play the orchestra. Basically, I manage everybody else. David Cully could do that. Maybe that's his strength. I don't know. He may be awesome at it. I'm just stunned that this is where we are. And if I have to judge it on the Texans history of making decisions for their organization, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like That's it. I really don't know how to process this. Um, for what it's worth, again, as we are recording, Tim Kelly, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who is the offensive co- or was the quarterback's coach for the Texans, is now going to be their offensive coordinator. So he uh, graduates to that role. So I suppose maybe you could view that as Deshaun – um, getting a level of consistency, right? Like, like keeping something around that, that likes, you know, what it is. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know, but it, like, here's the other thing, right? We've talked so much about the Andy Reed tree and, you know, the coaches that have been in the playoffs and obviously had success that have come from Andy Reed. David Culley falls in that category, technically. Um, I just, I, I again, like he. I'm not also trying to lean on this, but he's 65 years old, and we have like we haven't seen that work out too well. Um, these these retreads of, of of coaches. I listen to Brandon Staley do interviews on a number of podcasts, and like his youthful energy is so infectious. Like I can totally see why the Chargers would be swayed by that. And I just I think that the Texans are in such a need of a of a like injection of culture and. This doesn't feel like that. You know, this this feels like like a substitute teacher. That's what it feels like to me. Again, I, I don't want to come down with like the hot take because I don't know David Culley from a hole in the wall. Uh, I just. It wasn't what I was expecting. Let me just say that to me, 
unless Deshaun has some sort of special relationship with him that I don't know about, it doesn't seem like it's going to help sway him to sort of, you know, smooth things out and calm the waters there between him and the team. There was a report that it wouldn't matter who they hired as a head coach. So we still don't know that, but it, it just, it's so stunning to me that this is the direction that we went to me. I didn't even hear of anybody else interested in David Culley throughout this whole coaching carousel. No. And you, you've said this on a number of programs on the very fine SB Nation NFL show. Make sure you do subscribe available on all major podcast platforms, but that the Texans have handled this incredibly poorly, right? Like in a number of ways and that they could have still wound up with Eric Bieniemy or like, you know, not forget Eric Bieniemy. Please hire Eric Bieniemy. But they could have also ended up with Brian Dable, right? Like who didn't get a head coaching job this cycle? And so, like, they could have still, you know, just completely fallen and and still had the low hanging fruit be there for the taking. So, to your point, I mean, it's kind of like okay, you waited this long, you got lucky that two of the best options were still available. One that has been available for a few years now that multiple teams have passed over. And you just like, what? <laughs> like, you know, it's, I, I don't know. The only thing I can equate it to is one of the very first fantasy leagues I ever played in, my cousin, the the lead up to the whole draft was like, man, I hope nobody takes my pick. I hope nobody takes my pick. I don't want anybody to take my first round pick. And we were like, okay, dude, fine. And so we get to the draft and he took Felix Jones. And we were like, nobody was going to take that. <laughs> like, you know, like you were freaking out and fretting over nothing. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. My first round fantasy draft pick ever the first one i ever made was to i still feel okay about it i mean yeah that's a better pick than than felix jones um at any point in to's career by the way but yeah like i don't know what the, I, does this I, I know you don't want to be the hot take guy but does this does if you have to pick one direction um shout out to the band um do you think this makes them more or less likely to keep deshaun this particular hire if, if you have to pick if I had to pick, not knowing, you know, what any kind of relationship he might have with David Culley, I would say less. Like, does I would just say less. Now, I will point out that David Culley is the only black head coach that was hired in this entire hiring cycle, which I think I want to I want to point that out because it's disgusting and pathetic and ridiculous. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. But well, and to, to that point, so like that is that matters um, in a football sense, just the football of it all. The Ravens will get two third round compensatory picks as, as per the, the you know, rules and everything that the NFL instituted recently. So that that should be said. That is something that will happen as a result of this. But I don't think it helps with Deshaun Watson. And then, hey, David Culley, welcome to the Houston Texans. You have no draft picks and no discernible talent. And your 25 year old quarterback is not coming back. So. Glad you waited 27 years to get a head coaching job. Enjoy. Conspiracy theory time. Uh, maybe this is like a recurring bit here um, since you did not appreciate my Saints conspiracy theory last week. Maybe, maybe Nick Casario is wiser than we give him credit for. Although I don't think anybody's like bagging on Nick Casario. Jack Easterby is is the fall guy and he's very rightfully the fall guy. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe it is this like punt of a hire. And I don't want to speak ill of David Culley. Like maybe he'll be a great head coach. But maybe maybe you can't get a, a Eric Bieniemy or a Brian David. Like maybe nobody wants to be a part of what you just said, right? Like nobody wants to, to burn their – potentially only head coaching opportunity on a team that doesn't have any draft picks. It has a quarterback that wants nothing to do with them. That's greatest player ever is probably leaving in the off season. And so maybe this is, again, this, this sounds, you know, more harsh than I mean it. Maybe this is the best the Texans could do all things considered. Well, and uh, look, I mean, if you're Eric Bieniemy, I'm sorry, but you have to know that black head coaches usually only get one shot in the league. And so if that's the situation you're coming into where you might not even really be able to get your footing underneath you for a couple of years because of the, the dumpster fire that the franchise is in, I can understand hesitancy there to, to, to jump in and take that shot if this could be your only shot as a head coach. But if you're David Culley and you're 65, you it's a different time frame that you're dealing with there. You're not going to be in the NFL for as long as Eric Bieniemy is going to be in the NFL. So you're right. Maybe he was more willing to make that leap into a, a situation that is – to put it gently, not ideal. It does kind of have, um, I know I mentioned Jim Tamsula. It has Bruce Arians vibes. Maybe that's just the age thing, right? Like finally getting an opportunity after so long. And that did work well. But I think the main and primary, and I'm the 
smallest Bruce Arians believer in the world, but to his credit, um, performed very well in 2012 when Chuck Pagano was sick and, you know, obviously really proved his his worth as a head coach in the NFL to the point that he is in the Super Bowl, albeit with a bit of a hater in RJ Ochoa. Will you give him any love if he wins the Super Bowl? No, I will be so annoyed if, <laughs> if, they, if they win the Super Bowl because, again, like, and I know we didn't do our look back, uh, which I'm disappointed about because... Do you know what the Bucks are to me? And like Bruce Arians is kind of the face of it. Um, have you seen that show on Apple TV, The Morning Show? No, I don't have Apple TV. But have you seen like a promo for it or anything, like a trailer, a tweet, a, a promoted ad on your Instagram feed, anything? Nope. Okay, stats. Well, I really well, it's, a <laughs> it's it's a show. Thank you, listener, for knowing what I'm talking about. That is, um, like, the idea of it is to be about what is like a good morning America. Like, the morning show is like a show. Um, and the main anchors uh, at the beginning of the show are, are played by Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. And then Reese Witherspoon becomes the main anchor opposite of Jennifer Aniston. And so, again, whatever. But the point is, it's this, like, you look at it. And it's this like mega cast, right? Like all these, you know, really famous and great actors and actresses. And so you're like, this should be awesome. And they just put them together like all of a sudden in, in, a, in a hurry to like make this TV show. That's what the books are. Like that. Like a better example is like, have you seen like Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve? Like one of those movies that has like Ashton Kutcher and Taylor Swift and like just puts all these like headline actors and actresses together for one movie to like be a hit at the box office and make a bunch of money. That's what the books do. That's who they are. Sometimes that turns out to be the Marvel movies though, which are incredible. So yeah, but, but that doesn't make the director Martin Scorsese, which is the Bruce Arians point. That's uh-huh. what okay. So now we got, there. all right, I'm on board. I, I'll, I'll, I approve. That's going to do it for this edition of the SB Nation NFL show. Just want to give everybody a heads up. We have got some awesome things planned for next week for the Super Bowl. We are loading up on guests. Uh, just to give you a couple names to drop in, Deion Sanders is going to join us. Kyler Murray is going to join us. Carson Palmer will be will be with us. I don't want to say – I almost said on set. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. Joe Theismann, it's going to be an awesome week. So we really want you to – if you haven't done it already, please subscribe, rate, review. It really goes a long way. RJ, you're going to get to talk to some uh, some interesting people next week. Yeah, there's one um, that I'm very excited about. Uh, I won't spoil it the way you spoiled those, but um, but one that I'll just say this, that Dallas Cowboys fans, particularly of this last season, are really going to enjoy, I think. I mean, that's putting a lot of pressure on me as, as an interviewer, as, as a conversationalist, but I think I can deliver on my end of, of that you know bargain, and I, I'm really hopeful, and I believe the guests will too. You know, I, I, So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait to hear you talk to all these people too, Stats. I mean, like... I, you have a great voice, and and I enjoy hearing it here. And this was quite the ride. That's all I'll say. This this was a great way to to spend the off week. Look at us. Yeah, this was. A, I don't know how we ended up where we ended up. I'm going to be honest with you. You know when you're driving, and all of a sudden you realize that you've been on the road for 20 minutes and you don't remember any of it. That's exactly how I feel with this podcast. I think it's more like um like when you like if you're maybe if you're driving and you're listening to a song. And you get to like the third bridge or the third verse or whatever. And you like, how do I know all the words to this? You know what I mean? And, and like, 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 like bust a move is a song like that for me. Like, I don't know how, like where I keep that file in my brain, but like, I know all the words to it. So. All right. Well, now I'm going to go Google the words to bust a move and <laughs> my baby. So I can figure out the end of that lyrics. Cause I've definitely been thinking about that since you mentioned it early in the pod. Enjoy the off week, everybody. And we will see you for super week. 